What if we did this? Everybody here gets to design their own gremlin. Um, I, I don't see that the, uh, the gremlin design is broken. It's called brainstorming, not brain drizzling, sweet pea. Okay? Shut your mouth for a second. Look, here's the thing. None of this is final. So you mean, like, what if there was, like, a brainy gremlin? <laughs> a brainy gremlin. You talking about a gremlin with glasses who could talk and sing New York, New York? That's brilliant. It's in the movie done. Whoa, whoa, you, you said that nothing was final. That was before I heard the words brainy and gremlin in the same sentence together. It's done. I love it. It's in the movie next. Salad episode 197. We can remember it for you wholesale part two, uh, where we are going to discuss the rest of the releases of the movie year 1990. So, again, I'm Andy, I'm Mike, and I'm Catherine, I'm Todd, and again, we are joined uh, by the lovely and talented Miss M from the podcast Verbal Diorama. Hello. Who is definitely typing something. No, but, um, it's not me. For people who are skipping part two because they didn't want to know the hits, but they want to know all about the deep cuts, tell us a little <laughs> bit about your podcast. <laughs> oh, man, I've got to go through all that again? Yeah, um, you do. I'm joking. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so again, uh, I don't think I said it last time, but thank you for having me. Um, but yeah. oh, You're welcome. Uh, um and uh yeah uh, my podcast is called verbal diorama and i like to look at the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't um and i'll be honest there's a lot of these 1990 movies that i i don't know um (laughs) that i'm just being introduced to (laughs) for the very first time um but um Oh, 1990 was actually uh, a reasonably good year uh, for films. So, uh, so yeah, I'm excited to uh, to chat about the ones that quite didn't quite make it into the top 15. All right. Well, actually, it's interesting too because on the top of our list here, and these are really in no particular order. So there might be important stuff on the bottom. There might be not so important stuff on the top. But interestingly enough, the first movie that shows up on here is um, a movie that M did a full podcast on, uh, <laughs> Tremors. Yes. Well, when you sent the list round, uh, I was like, well, Tremors, he's going to include Tremors. He's got to include Tremors. And Tremors was not on your original list. Uh, you know why? Because so I think the back of my you, Andy. <laughs> well, I honestly, in the back of my mind, thought it was released in 1989. No. Perfection. A scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl decided to leave town. Hey, hold up. That's Edgar Deans. They just picked the wrong day to do it. Jeez. You guys better get the hell out of here. There's a killer on the loose. 
a snake? I'll give you boy five dollars for this. Twenty. That's how they get you. They're under the ground. Well, you see, I did a, a whole episode on uh, on Tremors, <laughs> and uh, and I specified in that particular episode that it did come out in the year 1990. So, uh, so yeah, I felt like it was a, a a heinous omission and it needed to be on the very top of the list Amen. because tremors tremors is a wonderful very underrated although i think it's it's considered a cool classic nowadays but I, I still think it's incredibly underrated um with great kevin bacon uh great fred ward great practical effects uh, yeah, it's a bit of a simple, uh, you know, monster movie in a way because it's literally just a worm. But um, I still think the practical effects are quite honestly astonishing. And um, I think it's a lot of fun and it deserves to be talked about first. Because right. I, I think it, I think it's I genuinely think it's wonderful. I will quite happily sit and watch Tremors any day, any night. Uh, it's just it's just a really fun monster movie. Absolutely. <laughs> also really great Michael Gross and really great Reba McIntyre as well. Yes, very that's, much so. That's right. Todd Catherine, oh, yeah. any thoughts on Tremors? Uh, I saw this soup to nuts for the first time just a couple years ago at the sci fi movie marathon. So I got to see it on the big screen, which was nice. awesome. Lucky. Yeah. It was yes, it was it was one of the last movies at the thon. I think it might have been the last movie at that that thon, so I'd gone home, taken a nap, and then gone back. But a lot of people had been there all night, and so. But it was it's a it was a great time, and and I I agree with them that the special effects really hold up because mm. there's nothing like practical effects to make a movie more timeless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent agree with you. I mean, it's weird. Like, it, I I've watched this one fairly recently, and it, it doesn't really look like an 80s movie, like you know, or even like an early 90s movie. It looks like it might have been like 1995 or 96. Because mm. it doesn't really fall into those like late 80s, early 90s tropes too much. That's very true. Yep. Yeah. All you got to do is look at their technology, and that will tell you all well, you need yeah. to know about that era. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So let's move on to a movie that was brought up in our social media feedback. Uh, Nuns on the Run. Which uh, it introduced, just like with Matt Jones, introduced me to the works of Robbie Coltrane um, and the always amazing Eric Idle. No, no, look, I've told you. With spectacles, testicles, wallet and watch. Spectacles, testicles, wallet and watch. That's it. I'm enjoying this. I actually saw this in the movie theater, and I really, I really have a soft spot for this movie. It's, it's hokey. And it's very much, um, it's very much bosom buddies, but it, it's a lot of fun. It is. I, I haven't seen the whole thing myself. I've seen like, but I've seen a lot of bits and pieces of it. And I know, I know John loves this one. Yeah. Anybody else watch this one? I mean, this is, I mean, I don't expect them that you watch every movie that was ever made in England. <laughs> you guys i'm sure you've watched every movie that was ever made in america every single one of them because i am a patriot god damn it (laughs) um i i have heard of nuns on the run uh i'll be honest and say i I have not seen it um but i i have definitely heard of it 
Nice, nice. Todd, Catherine, have you, have either of you watched this one? Never seen it. Nope. Never seen it. Love oh. Robbie Coltrane, though, so. And I love Eric Idle. And this is just one of those, like, Money Python side projects that just, it's fun. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's dumb fun. Two criminals dress up like nuns and go into hiding. They're hiding. They're hiding out. Yeah. Perfect. So, all right. Now, one, I guarantee that I'm the only one of us who has seen this one. And yes. I actually paid movie money to see this. No, you would. Uh, Peter Greenaway is The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, which was the movie that introduced me to both Helen Mirren and Michael Gambon. And come <clears> to find <throat> out later on that Tim Roth is also in this movie. It's Dame Helen Mirren and Sir Michael Gambon. Uh, my apologies. My apologies all. <sighs> it's um, the, the interesting thing about this movie is that it's a very high class movie. It looks like an independent movie. It's, it's gorgeous in its art direction. The fact that in all the rooms in the, um, in the restaurant, whenever anybody moves from one room to another, the color of their clothing changes. And it's just, it's a very artistic movie. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it other than if you're looking for something completely different and um, if you're like me, find Helen Mirren to be insanely attractive. Yes. Um, this You could not go wrong with this movie. I believe the uncut version of this movie is on Netflix. Ooh. So I have to check my list because it's been on there and I've been meaning to watch it but just haven't gotten around to it. So that brings us to John Waters' Cryberries and Cryberry, Crybaby. <laughs> Cryberry, Cryberry. Starring Johnny Depp. Ugh. Did I, I think I've seen some of this movie and I don't remember liking it really. Like, it, it, it made no sense. Todd M. Have either of you guys seen this one? Nothing. I remember, I remember the box art from the VHS. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in video stores, but like nothing. Haven't seen it. I know the movie exists, and I know it starts <laughs> Johnny Depp. That's it. It it plays like a follow up to Hairspray, and not the the musical Hairspray, but like just the movie Hairspray, where John Waters was trying to recapture that fifties aesthetic, and it just. It was of its time. I don't think anybody needs to go back and revisit a rockabilly musical, but if you're looking for one, it's here. Mm -hmm. And now, hey, Am, guess what? Part two, we've got your obligatory Keanu reference. I was just about to say. (laughs) I love you to death. Which, I'll be honest, I I have actually not seen. Um, It's on my to-watch list. Uh, once I managed to track it down, uh, because it's it's uh, it's not one of Keanu's most well-known uh, roles, but I've had it recommended to me a few times, so it's definitely on my list. It's got uh, an insane cast. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I was actually looking at the cast just now because uh, it's got like Kevin Klein and um, Tracy Ullman and River Phoenix as well. Uh, yep. I was a massive fan of River Phoenix uh, back when I was younger. Uh, because surprise, surprise, because he was a good looking boy. <laughs> he was. Um, and and <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a bit of a bad reputation for, uh, I don't know, being a bit of a, <laughs> a hound. But uh, um, but no, it's you know, it's it's just 
it's biology you know you're going to be attracted to a film that's got uh attractive uh people in it so well, uh, so, well, well andy, andy was already talking about helen mirren so you're good right exactly 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 yeah, exactly. Um, yeah river phoenix obviously and keanu reeves uh together i mean you i wonder why i haven't seen this but uh, but i will at some point. <laughs> it's one of these movies that really is just like it kind of came and went um i mean kevin klein was coming off of fish called wanda so, you know, they were casting him in more comedies because he's very capable as a comedian. But he does this Italian accent that as somebody with half Italian descent, um, I kind of find it a little insulting because he's speaking like this in the uh, third movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I so make you a pizza. He's, he's, he, went, he, went, he went to the Mario school of Italian accents. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Actually, Keanu Reeves had a second movie come out this year as well. Did he? Oh, did he? A movie called Tune In Tomorrow. Uh, oh man! This is... <laughs> also starring Barbara Hershey and Peter Falk. My goodness! I remember seeing a poster for that at the video store. I don't think anybody ever rented it. I am just surprised how many movies he had. He can't. He was in between. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bowie's Journey. Yeah, he was also in a movie called Twister that wasn't the Bill Paxton uh, Twister. Uh, wow, okay. I'm judging by Todd's silence. He hasn't seen any of these. I have not. Okay. <laughs> have not. I'll pipe up when I'm ready to say something. You'll All right. because Two down, man. Two down. I think you're ready to talk about that. But mm-hmm. Miami Blues, starring uh, Alec Baldwin and his insanely hairy chest. And uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, and wow. all of her chest for most of the movie, and Fred Ward. Good this is, I remember this movie coming out and being like, I watched it on video, and like I, I kind of dug it because Alec Baldwin was just being uh, just utter shit in this movie. Um, and it's a really nice cat and mouse between him. And Fred Ward, who plays this detective who doesn't realize that he is a, you know, he's a criminal. Um, He's actually after him because uh, Alec Baldwin's character, after getting off an airplane in the airport in Miami, uh, Hare Krishna comes up to him to give him a pamphlet. And he breaks his finger and the guy dies of shock. So Fred Ward is looking for the guy who murdered this Hare Krishna. What? Oh, it's it's, the movie's insane. There's there's a part in this movie where he's trying to do a deal where he's trying to um, rob a jewelry store towards the end. And the woman who owns the jewelry store grabs the machete and cuts off like the, like three of his fingers. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well then with that, let me, said, let I, me run out and watch this movie right now. I've said too much, Mike. Was he, was he your manager at the grocery store? <laughs> Okay, so the next one up, oh Todd, I know you want to talk about this one, Frankenhooker. Sure. <laughs> the only I've heard of it. I've heard okay, of it. the thing nope. about Frankenhooker, and again, judging by the people's silence here, that uh, no one's really familiar with this movie. The biggest thing, the kind of like the takeaway, the timeless takeaway of this movie is the bo- the video cassette box had a voice chip in it. That when you oh. pressed a street sign, it would just keep repeating, want a date? Want a date? Want a date? Want a date? Oh, God. That sounds horrendous. 
Yeah. Oh, it's and it's cheaply made. It's one of these movies about a guy who's try. He's an inventor and he tries to do the self-propelled lawnmower, and it accidentally like chops up his fiance, and he get he <laughs> saves her. He saves her head, but the only thing that he could do to like rebuild her in the you know in the uh, in the vein of the creature is to like chop up hookers and put them together to make this one thing. And then all she's do all she's kind of wired to do is just go out and prostitute herself. It's it's a very cheaply made camp horror movie. It's worth a watch is kind of like one of those up all night types of movies. Yeah, let me run out and do that right now. Okay, Mike, then you're gonna miss our conversation on Gremlins 2, the new batch. We told you the rules. Oh the rules. So remember the first one? One. You can't get them wet. But you didn't listen. Two. Don't let them uh, get exposed to bright light, especially sunlight. We made it very clear. And the third one is don't let them... Uh... Three. But you uh, got confused. All right, let's go over everything again, all right? We warned you. You keeping some kind of pet in there? Could that have been a... I'm so sorry. Gremlin. You okay? How's your hand? <laughs> now, they're back. Wilder. Well, it's rather brutal here. We're advising our clients to put everything they've got into canned food and shotguns. Tougher and scarier. Well, we, did, <laughs> we did a full, we actually did a full episode on this on our YouTube channel a few weeks ago with Tom from Movies After Work. Um, so Mike and I have actually said quite a bit about this. Catherine M. Todd, what do you, what do you guys think about Gremlins 2? I might have watched it maybe once. I'm not sure. <laughs> I have so, very, very that's... fond memories of it from mm. watching it as a kid. I haven't seen it in probably 15 years. But I, I just remember, like, very vividly some of the scenes, you know, from, in you know, shot in New York where you can tell it's, like, actual on location. And mm. it, I don't know. It just it just feels fun to me. I, I love Gremlins. I love Gremlins, too. So there you go. Awesome. Em? I have such a love for Gremlins 2, mainly mm. because it's so batshit crazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you watch, so you sit there and you watch Gremlins, and and then you and then you're told, oh, there's a second Gremlins movie. You're like, oh my god, a second Gremlins movie? This is amazing. It's just gonna be the same as the first. And then you put Gremlins <laughs> 2 on, and you're like, Jesus, I'm a kid. Am I on drugs? Like, what, <laughs> what is going on? In this it's, movie, it's it's totally, the anti sequel. Yeah, it's totally batshit crazy. It's basically Joe Dante being given complete control, him not really wanting to make a sequel, but just going, well, if I can make a sequel, I'm just going to make it as crazy as I possibly can. And I think it's a genuine delight uh, because it's so different to Gremlins, <laughs> and you know, it obviously reunites the cast. Uh, you know, it brings Gizmo back in. And obviously Gizmo is probably the cutest animatronic character in any movie ever until he spawns hell creatures. But I I know that the premise of Gremlins is not the most watertight of premises, you know, with the whole, you know, you can't feed them after midnight. And then you're like, well, if you can't feed them after midnight, then when do you actually feed them? Because every time's after midnight. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. yep. <laughs> I kind of feel like with Gremlins 2, it just goes, yeah, 
we know that there are rules but we don't give a shit we're just gonna make the <laughs> craziest motherfucking movie that we can make just so they're not gonna want a third gremlins movie and <laughs> and honestly i think it's completely brilliant i think it's completely it's underrated brilliance because people go oh well you know gremlins is such a great movie and gremlins 2 ruins it but they're they're missing the point of gremlins 2 because gremlins 2 it's not really a sequel to gremlins in a sense that it's just it's it like like you said it's an anti-sequel it's it's not it's it's not really a sequel to to anything really it's just got the same name um i i think it's brilliant i think gremlins is brilliant i think gremlins 2 is actually maybe a little bit more brilliant in its own kind of batshit crazy way <laughs> but uh i think gremlins 2 is is wonderful actually i've been saying i've been saying that i i really agree with you on that it's more of a parody um, than a sequel yeah yeah it's very it, much so yeah well, it's like, you know, it's like you all were saying that it's a it it takes the trope and makes fun of it and still comes across as being a fun, watchable, infinitely watchable movie. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, and we talked about this with Tom, that it embraces its cheesiness. If this were any other director other than Joe Dante, this wouldn't have worked. But because Joe Dante is the king of of modern movie schlock with with a budget. It works, and it works so well because of that. Yeah, I, I still prefer Gremlins one over this one, but this one is just—it's still so much fun to watch. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right, so that brings us to RoboCop two. I'm cold. You are going into shock. I will call for a medical emergency unit. Wait, no. Don't leave me. Who did this? It was big. Bigger than you. It was Kane. I'm gonna die. You know what that's like, don't you? It really sucks. Anyone? I've uh, seen it, but I don't remember it because the first Robocop is so good. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, that I kind of feel like anything that came after Robocop was just uh essentially just they were trying to milk that cash cow. Um and Robocop was so brilliant in its um it, I'm trying sorry, I'm trying to get my words out, but they're not they're not actually coming out of my mouth, which is, yeah. is Well the thing you know, with with Robocop is that Robocop is such it's such a parody of yes. that era of of Reagan's America in the 80s that you can't you cannot repeat that you know we mentioned this before you know Todd you had brought up uh, look who's talking to three men and a little lady um and another 48 hours it's just like let's just repeat the formula and see how this works and I'll, here's the thing about Robocop 2 is that it's the kind of movie that I watched it in the theater, didn't quite honestly mind it. It didn't offend me in a way that, like, RoboCop 3 would go on to offend me a few years later. But it's just one of those things. I see it on TV. I'm very 
tempted to just sit and watch it, even though it's just insane. It's it's like Gremlins 2 in a way. It's just so batshit insane when they're trying to like do a ro- like an actual make a robo a second RoboCop, and like that one robot pulls his head off and you can just see his skull. And he, he, shoot, he shoots the people to the left of him, to the right of him, pulls off his helmet, screams, and then shoots himself. Yeah. It's just, what the hell? Did I just see that? It's crazy. Todd, and Catherine, have, have either of you seen RoboCop 2? I have not. You've not seen RoboCop 2? Seen, Ooh. I have not seen a RoboCop. Oh, this, this any, was the Any the, RoboCop. Oh, okay. The final theatrically released film directed by Irvin Kirshner. That's right. The guy who brought us one of the greatest Star Wars movies ever, directed RoboCop 2. Yep. That, that's mind-blowing. And, it is. And, that doesn't track for me. And just a <laughs> word of warning, if you have like a really highly armed um, robot, don't put the, the head of a drug kingpin in it. <laughs> that's just not a good idea. I also love the lazy uh, writing, too. It's like, what are we going to call our super drug? How about Nuke? Sounds good. Yeah, sure. that sounds good. That sounds good. Listen, the, the, this cocaine isn't going to snort itself. So, uh, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> um, did you have any other thoughts on uh, RoboCop 2 before we move on? Uh, literally none. <laughs> none. Okay. Well, that's fine. And I have a feeling that's going to be the same for the next movie. Uh, the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Pavarotti. Hey, what's the hassle? Hassle? What? What is this? I'm gonna be what? What is that shit? Huh? <laughs> I could crack my knuckles with more rhythm than that. I mean, you're killing rock and rape and roll, man. I mean, Keith Richards is rolling over in his grave. The friggin' guy isn't even dead yet. You're tearing me apart. Hey, right. hey, no, no, no. Rest your lips. Put down the earmuffs. Go ahead. Go ahead. Good. Good. Rock and roll. No rock and roll is. What's Ford rock doing, man? Guys, uh. Work with me, huh? I've heard the title. You know of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um. Okay. Just like Steve, I paid seven dollars to see this in the movie theater. First showing. Um. And this is. I was kind of off of Andrew Dice Clay at this point because he released that awful double album. Uh, was the anyone day ever Laughter actually died. on Andrew Dice Clay? Oh yes. Oh, it, yeah, yes. my senior year, your sophomore year, Catherine, we were just like, like, Dice was you, like the king of, of, of stand-up comedy. And then he released you, you, it. You guys, you guys totally thought that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, yeah. It's, it's Throw totally, you under the bus. Throw you under the bus. Oh, no, you know what? Deservedly so. Uh, he was totally dude comedy. Then he released his yeah. second album called The Day the Laughter Died, which if there wasn't a more apropos title. <laughs> it was a stand-up comedy album where all, he doesn't even tell jokes. He's just like insulting people in the audience and, you know, and then he puts this movie out and I'm like, oh, maybe it's OK. And I'll give it this. It's actually a competently made movie where he isn't <laughs> abysmal in it. He's Dice. Like the character of Ford Fairlane is Andrew Dice Clay just dialed down a little bit. Um it's such a relic of the 90s. It's such a relic, though, of the 90s. You know, you've got Ed, Ed O'Neill, uh, fresh off of Married with Children, kind of doing his uh, his old Disco King song. I uh, know this would Booty be in the Time. middle of this would be the middle of Married with Children. Oh, that's right. I forgot they never canceled that show. Um, Morris <laughs> Day of Morris Day and the Time is in it, and it's just and Wayne Newton is the villain. Um, of course he is. Oh God, it's just like. 
you know, if you if you want to watch a better bad movie, I I could recommend this if that's what you're looking for. Nah. As somebody's look, as uh, I hear somebody typing right now, you're looking it up right now. <laughs> um. All right. What about Quick Change? Bill Murray's directorial debut. How did Never I never even heard of it? Existed. How did I not know this existed? It looks amazing. Oh, it's it's so much fun. Again, a movie I paid movie money for because I had a lot of expendable cash. You know, right out of high school. Never heard of it. No. No. Am, no, I, am I the, no, oh, I, all right, so it's a story. It's a movie about a, a a guy and his girlfriend and his best friend that rob a bank, and they they are just trying to get to the airport to fly away. And it's like just they're going to do this one big score. And it's Bill Murray, it's uh, Gina Davis, and it's Randy Quaid. And <clears throat> the problem is is that they they're just trying to get to the airport because everything bad happens to them. Like, throughout the whole thing. And it is just, it's a fun, fun movie. I think this is the first movie I ever saw Tony Shalhoub in. Oh. So, definitely, definitely worth a watch if you can find it. But, again, it's an under-the-radar movie that just people kind of forgot about. I think most of the movies on this list are going to be that. Uh, like, Young Guns 2. You mean Young Buns 2? I mean, let's be honest. Outside of Blaze of Glory, tell me the story of Young Guns 2. Todd, Em, Catherine, Mike. Um, I have uh, not seen a Young Guns. They're, they're guns and they're young and it's, there's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, they, you know, they wanted to bring back um, Emilio Estevez, so they said... Uh, he wasn't actually killed. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the whole thing with Young Guns 1. It's like, yeah, Billy the Kid was shot in the back. And then, like, Young Guns 2 is like, let's tell you the story about when Billy the Kid was shot in the back. Um, uh, it's just, it's bad. But it's like, it's got Blaze of Glory, the John Bon Jovi song that's not actually a Bon Jovi song. I actually enjoy that song. Well, it was it was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. So All I'm not right. the only one. Okay. Next up, Flatliners, uh, directed by the just recently departed Joel Schumacher. All right. So, so one, yeah. This one had Julia Roberts, Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Platt. Um, Kevin Bacon. Thank you, Kevin Bacon. Anybody else? Uh, Billy Baldwin. Oh, yes, yes. The lesser, Baldwin the lesser. Yeah. One, one of the lesser Baldwins. There are two lesser Baldwins. <laughs> All the Baldwins are lesser Baldwins outside of Alec. And Adam, even though he's not a Baldwin. He's not a Baldwin. <laughs> but he is a, he isn't a Baldwin, but he is a Baldwin. He is a Baldwin, but he's not a Baldwin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anybody else besides me seen Flatliners? Uh, apparently, Catherine, I, have any of us seen I, Flatliners? I've seen most of Flatliners. I think it was on Sci-Fi Channel, and I got to see most of it, so I understood what the hell was going on. <laughs> Ooh, people actually, were talking about it. Actually, I have a story about uh, Flatliners, even though I've never seen it. Okay. Um, uh, when my uh, sister uh, was uh, dating her then her now husband, uh, they actually rented Flatliners. I think they were only like 16 or something, and I told on them. Oh my! Yeah. 
I was that dick. Yeah, and then you would you would have been killed, and they would have tried to bring you back to life. No, they wouldn't have. Well, they might now. Em, have you seen this one? I have not. Um, I've heard not? of it, but okay. I haven't seen it. Well, they just did a remake of it a few years ago with Ellen Page. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, that one. And Diego Luna as well. Oh, okay. And I'm judging by Todd's silence. He's like, when are they going to get to movies I've seen? Yeah, correct. <laughs> Seriously. I feel a little bit like right. that as well. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's just let's kind of move quickly down the list here. So My Blue Heaven with Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. Love it. Oh, good. Okay. I've seen this one. I was in a hurry. I was on my way to church to say a few novenas for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not a Catholic holiday. Thanksgiving is very big with the Italians. Turkey cacciatore, sweet potato parmesan. There is no such thing as Thanksgiving in Italy. It is an American holiday. And I've been to Italy. It's not in Florence, right? Yes. Ever been to Sicily by any chance? No. Thanksgiving is very big in Sicily on account of the large number of Sicilians who went to America and then got thrown back out. I like this movie. I like, I like it because I learned what arugula was. It's a vegetable. Okay. It's, I, it's I actually... Love... Go ahead. Good. No, go ahead, Todd. No, I just love the, the different character that Steve Martin got to play in this, in this movie. And he and Rick Moranis play so well off each other. It's just it's wonderful to watch. I think this is the only time they ever worked together. Is that true? I want to say yes. No, Steve Martin and Rick Moranis were together in Little Shop of Horrors. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Damn, another and, show. Another show that Emma's done on her show. Yes. On, on <laughs> yes, very much so. And, and uh, yeah, that's that. perfect. What Little Shop of Horrors? Yeah, just I showed my daughter it. It's uh, yeah, you said because she yeah. loved it, didn't she? Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, well, of course she did. It's it's perfect. Why would you not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. I really, I really enjoy this one, and it's funny too that 1990 yielded not one but two movies about witness protection. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, then there is Wild at Heart, which is David Lynch's entry for 1990 and the follow-up to Blue Velvet and Twin Peaks. Sure. Why everybody's silence? I'm the only one I'm who's seen this. Drawing a blank it's, on this one as well. It's actually not yep. bad. It's actually one of it's a really good Nicolas Cage performance, considering all he's got to do is be Nicolas Cage. And it's just, it's just like, you know, Steve mentioned, it's kind of like, or uh, Dave had mentioned, it's like The Wizard of Oz. And it's kind of cool that way. Pump up the volume. And, and now all my horny listeners get one hand free because, yes, the Eat Me Beat Me Lady is back. Come in. Every night you enter me like a criminal. You break into my brain, but you're no ordinary criminal. You put your feet up and you pop a Pepsi. You start start to party. party. You turn up my stereo. Songs I've never heard, but I move anyway. You get me crazy. I say do it. I don't care what, just do it. Jam me, jack me, push me, pull me, talk hard. I love Pump Up the Volume. I'm okay. Okay, so the reason why I love it is is going to be pretty obvious, but Christian Slater, hello. 
Oh my god! Like, <laughs> um, to be honest, it was one of those that me and my friends uh, would watch together because we all had a bit of a thing for Christian Slater, um, and he was hot in this movie. So, if you ask me the plot, I know that he's like a DJ, um, and I believe Samantha Mathis was in this as well. Um, she'd obviously go on to do Super Mario Brothers and be the girlfriend of River Phoenix. <laughs> Um, but, uh, other than Christian Slater being good looking, I'm, I'm afraid I can't really tell you much about it. Other than I remember me and my friends loved this movie so much. <laughs> well, it gets into, it's like all about pirate radio and it yeah. kind of, you know, it would be interesting to see a remake where it was all about people making podcasts. <laughs> oh, that wouldn't actually be <laughs> terrible. No. Uh, no, but the thing is, like, who would they cast in, in it nowadays? They'd probably cast, like, I don't know, someone like Harry Styles or something like that. And I don't know, Christian Slater just had, like, that edgy kind of dark sex appeal about him that is not very emulatable, um, as far as I'm concerned. But, no, no doubt they would just cast the wrong person for it. Yeah. Um. Now, the other thing with this movie, too, Kat, and now Catherine, because I know, like, we discussed this a few years ago, uh, Heathers. This is the kind of movie that, like, I watched incessantly, just like Heathers, also starring Christian Slater. Absolutely. That it just kind of, like, I watch it, and I watch it, I watch it, and then it just kind of stopped. It's like, you get that certain age, it's like, okay, I've seen this movie enough now. Stop whining. Yeah. I, I saw it once, and I was, I thought it was okay. Okay. It seemed like it seemed like it was like the last gasp of the 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 Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, all those high school movies. But it was like 1990, so they were trying to change, but it was still it still had a very 80s you know 80s school system style to it, and it was just not my that was your school experience, Andy, but it was not my school experience. Uh, yeah, it was. It was jocks and nerds. Um, you know what I will say though? Yeah, our most of our jocks were nerds. You know, they were they were on the sports teams and on the athletic teams in my class. And they did theater. The difference that two years makes. Yeah. I got to say though, the soundtrack to this movie is on point. I love the soundtrack to this movie. Okay. So that that takes us to Dark Man. They destroyed everything he had. All that he loved. Everything that he was. Now. Crime has a new enemy. And justice has a brand new face. I was afraid that you wouldn't want me anymore. Of course I still want you. The good news is that I know who's behind our little troubles of late. Finish it. He has the power to look like any man. This two are both sons of witches. But he is unlike any man. This was that Liam Neeson may or may not keep on his resume. It's it's it's, it's not a bad movie. It's a it's a very unique take on a comic on the comic book genre. I would say. I watched this a few years ago, like rewatched it, and it doesn't hold up. And a lot of that, it's just, it's the Raimi aesthetic, I think, that sometimes Sam Raimi movies, 
there, there, there's that, that certain point where it stops holding up, and this is one of them. Mm. Yeah, the special effects in this one I remember as being not the best because well, I, I did see this very, you know, not maybe five, ten years ago or something like that, and the special effects were just not good. Yeah. Todd, have you seen Darkman? I have not. You've not. Oh, okay. I remember it, but I have not seen it. Em, <laughs> how about you? Uh, I have not seen it. Uh, ah. I haven't even heard of it. Oh, okay. Well, now you know. It's an early Liam Neeson movie. <laughs> and, um, an early well, Sam, and an early I mean, Sam Raimi movie. That's true. Uh, I mean, I like, Sam Raimi. <laughs> I like Sam Raimi. I like Danny Elfman. Um, I... Out of the, the movies that we've talked about so far that I haven't seen, I mean, I can't say it's at the top of my want list, but um, maybe, maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll let you know. This you is know. the kind of movie I can definitely, re- even though I just was like, oh, it doesn't hold up at all, I can still recommend it to people who haven't seen it. Okay, it's right. because like Liam Neeson's, uh, Liam Neeson's character, Peyton, he's not a likable character. No, he's not. He's kind of a dick. Not really. But, no. then again, yeah. But I mean, you. But you also don't want to see what happens to him happen to him. So it, it's it's very odd. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next one then. The witches. From the incredible imagination of Jim Henson and director <laughs> Nicholas Rogue comes a fascinating new fantasy adventure. The Witches. For when a little boy accidentally stumbles into their secret world, he finds they've got a lot more power than he ever imagined. Grandma! It's me, Luke! Luke! They turned me into a mouse. Oh, my. Who's the Grand High Witch? Yeah, we got oh, we got several uh, several people. We, still, we got a lot of this. love for the witches, actually. Yeah, uh, is it Angelica Houston, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, is it uh, also yeah. Omri Katz? No, no. But it, no. it was the. I was gonna say it's this is the last movie that Roald Dahl was alive to see made of his work. Mm. And as far as I'm aware, he actually liked this one. Yeah, he uh, historically didn't like a lot of the adaptations that were actually put out. And obviously, he's a bit of a national treasure uh, over right. here. So, um, yeah, he, he obviously was not keen on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. Uh, categorically hated it. Um, and his his work is uh, it's almost perennially uh, remade uh, and redone. There's actually a really great animated uh, James and the Giant Peach. Uh, which is very, very underrated. Obviously, it's not a 1990 movie. But um, The Witches, because Roald Dahl has always been an author who very much kind of goes into like the gross and the slightly macabre uh, mm-hmm. areas of, uh, of of childhood and growing up. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, The Witches was, was one of those movies that absolutely petrified me. Genuinely... <laughs> uh, um, I I still to this day have not sat and watched it the whole way through because I'm still scared of it. Oh no! Genuinely, I am scared of when she turns into a witch. I'm scared of when she transforms um, the little boy into a mouse. Uh, I, I'm really scared <laughs> of the witch, and I I still have not been able to watch it. Uh, <laughs> 
the whole way through ever since watching it as a as a child um because obviously those formative years you you watch things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and you think well I'm going to be a ninja um and like the witches and um I guess I'm quite a sensitive soul (laughs) um it genuinely genuinely scared the shit out of me maybe that's where my aversion to horror has come from even though it's a horror movie it obviously has those horror elements um, right and yeah i'm genuinely scared of the witches oh no well now i, I have to watch it because uh, i haven't i haven't seen it and it's it's something produced by jim henson that i haven't seen so well we right. can't it, let that stand exactly exactly Todd, have you seen this one i haven't and it's it's crazy because i love roald Dahl. like i right. love everything that he's ever done and i've read this book and i you know honestly didn't even know that this was a, a feature film this is the kind of movie, too, I, I could easily, like, expect that you would show this to your daughter. Good to know. Yeah. Please so, don't. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> kids today. It her 30s, and she'll still be talking about how scared she is of me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just looked it up, and apparently uh, one of the witches in the whole, like, big ballroom the ball. scene was Michael yep. Palin. Oh, God, in drag. <laughs> I guess a lot of those witches were actually men in drag. All right, let's move on to Postcards from the Edge, Carrie Fisher's autobiographical film about her and her mother. Heard of, never watched. It's not a bad movie. It really, you can tell it's it's Carrie Fisher's voice coming through Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've only seen it the once, but I really like this movie. And it's definitely, you know, it's very autobiographical. Yeah. But it really is – it gives you a really nice insight of, of the problems that she had. And I love, too, her, her, her dad because there's that one scene where the mother is in the <laughs> hospital and she's just doing all this stuff. And the dad just is just always asleep. And then, yeah. like, she – the mother leaves the room and he's just sitting there and he's just like, nag, 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 nag. <laughs> Played by Mr. Drummond from uh, Different Strokes for all you 70s sitcom fans. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I, I saw it once. I haven't read the book that it was based on, but I think I should at some point. Carrie Fisher, writing wise, is a national treasure. So definitely check that out. All right, Todd, I know you're, you're foaming at the mouth to Ooh, talk about. I'm so ready. The I'm movie so that should have won Best Picture in 1990 Goodfellas. See, Jimmy was one of the most feared guys in the city. He was first locked up at 11, and he was doing hits for mob bosses when he was 16. See, hits never bothered Jimmy. It was business. But what Jimmy really loved to do, what he really loved to do was steal. I mean, he actually enjoyed it. Jimmy was the kind of guy who rooted for the bad guys in the movies. You might know who we are, but we know who you are. Understand? You know, he was one of the city's biggest hijackers of booze, cigarettes, razor blades, shrimp and lobsters. Shrimp and lobsters were best. They went really fast. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to talk about gangster movies. (laughs) I love this movie so much. It is a cinematic masterpiece. And the fact that it did not win Best Picture is an absolute travesty. It's a travesty. And I, I will forever feel that way because this is a perfect film. I love every second of it. The technical aspects of it, you, you know, that everybody talks about that long shot. Um, 
you know, going through the Copa, um, following Henry Hill, and the performances are unbelievable. This was the same year for Joe Pesci as Home Alone. Yes. Yeah, how ironic, that, how ironic that, you know, in the same year that he's being threatening and scaring us as a mobster, he's also getting smacked in the head with a frying pan. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, you know, like, I, I feel like they did that intentionally when, you know, Harry gets hurt and Sasha Fresher, you look at his, his, you know, the sheer amount of curse words that he says in Goodfellas. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And it's such a, it's it's a perfect film. I love the nonlinear narrative and the structure of it. It's just the soundtrack, like, oh, everything about it is perfect. This is perfect. honestly Scorsese at his absolute best. I agree. I, I agree. think that there's so many great parts of this movie. I mean, you know, Pesci was was recognized as, you know, he he won an Oscar for this, which I think just sent the wrong message to Joe Pesci that this is the type of role he should be playing forevermore. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you yeah. saying that are you saying that Scorsese's pinnacle is in gangster films? <sighs> I'm shocked. Well, Goodfellas is a gangster film, but it's the I know. best gangster film. Well, that's the all he with, does is gangster films. No, he doesn't. He he did Hugo. He did um Oh, actually, you know, another Keanu reference here. Little Buddha was a Scorsese movie. Uh-huh. And what movies is he remembered for? He's yeah. remembered for his gangster movies. Well, yeah, he, duh. Um, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, Todd. This movie is just, it's masterfully made. The use of the music mm-hmm. is what sticks out to me. It's just that it's not only just a good soundtrack, it's, it's a character in the movie, which I absolutely with, with love. With a purpose, and we've talked about that before. That is what makes a good soundtrack for me. And there is nothing more heartbreaking then when um, then when Joe Pesci thinks he's gonna get made, and he just Absolutely. looks when he walks in and he he scans the room and it's empty and he just knows right there and he can't even get oh no out before they they shoot the back of his head out. And then De Niro's reaction to it in the phone. Oh movie yeah, just, you know like I, you could argue that Ray Liotta is the worst performance in that movie and it's still very very good. So yeah. He's very restrained. He is absolutely restrained. I mean, the one, the funniest part about that, though, is now anytime I hear or see videos of Karens calling the cops mm-hmm. on, you know, black people just breathing Existing. air, <laughs> that's all I hear is, is just Ray Liotta going, Karen, Karen, Karen. 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 <laughs> In fact, uh, just it was like, I think this was like the 10th anniversary of Henry Hill's death. And I, my time hop actually showed a thing where I'm like, oh, rest in peace, Henry Hill. May you be getting blowjobs in heaven for giving Karen uh, more shopping money. <laughs> so, all right. I, I, I think that's just the, this is the Todd and Andy show for Goodfellas. I've never actually yeah. seen Goodfellas. No, I um, saw it way back in high school on tape. Oh. It was I and and you know gangster movies are not my thing. No, I, I think I would, rather, I would rather just cook something out of the mafia cookbook and go on. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, if you're going to choose between this and the other big gangster movie that came out this year, Godfather Three, Goodfellas is an immensely superior film <laughs> in every oh. every shape, and we'll talk about that. I won't argue that point now. Oh, yeah, man. actually, you know what? Let's talk about the Godfather Three then, because I paid movie money for this because the Godfather movies 
are some of my all-time favorite movies. And, oh, my God, disappointment or wet fart? I don't know which is the better description <laughs> for this. And because it's his 30th anniversary now, people are bringing it up like, was it that bad? On a technical standpoint, no, it was not. It it looked epic. It looked very much part of it, but the story didn't need to exist. And the whole Roxy Carmichael thing with replacing Winona Ryder with uh, Sofia Coppola was just a bad idea. It's bad. I've never seen Godfather Part 3. I've only seen Godfather Part 2 just, like, I think last year. Really? Yeah. When, when, when I, I watched it for when we reviewed it. Oh, yes. Personally, I think I think Godfather Part Two is a superior movie to Godfather Part One, but you know I, I still I still go with Godfather Part One. There's no wrong answer as long as it's not three, Mike. Fair enough. Anybody else on Godfather Three? Yeah, I mean that being said, I think Al Pacino still puts in a good performance, you know, for the most well, part. It's Pacino. I found it interesting that he got an Oscar nomination for Dick Tracy over this in the same year. That's wild. That is, yeah. That's your trivia. Because you know who did get a nomination out of this movie was Andy Garcia. And he's respectable. He's actually not bad. I'd like to see more about him. You know, now that, you know, he's kind of like the godfather. Mm -hmm. I'll um, I'll admit, I I have seen bits of The Godfather Part 3. Um... I have seen The Godfather. I've seen The Godfather Part 2. Um, I will admit I've only seen them both once. Um, and as Catherine said, gangster movies, especially very violent, sweary gangster movies, are not really my cup of tea. Um, I tend to avoid things like that. I'm not really into that sort of heavy, non-stylized violence. I can take stylized violence, but that kind of very... Uh, realistic violence is not really the sort of thing that I like. Um, So same with Goodfellas, really. Um, I definitely have seen it, but it was so long ago that don't ask me who the characters are and what happens because (laughs) it's because it's not the sort of movie that I like. If I like a movie, I tend to remember it. If it's something that I'm kind of being forced to watch (laughs) because I, I definitely remember that it was an ex-boyfriend who told me that I had to watch The Godfather because he was like, it's the greatest movie ever As, as yes. is the way with men. I know, I took right? a date to Goodfellas. Oh, not uh, a good yeah, idea. There's, some, there's, there's a rare woman that likes The Godfather. I haven't seen it. I have no interest in it. And uh, yeah, it's just... It's, yeah, no. it's just it's just not my sort of thing. I mean, I'll take like I'll take John Wick violence any day, but right. I, I don't know I don't know what it is about you know these very kind of realistic gangster movies. It's like The Irishman. I have no intention of watching The Irishman either, uh, for the same reason. It just does not appeal to me. Um, so the whole kind of Godfather Part Three thing. I mean, I, I've not seen enough of it to to really kind of comment on. Uh, how terrible or good it is. Because um, they're, they're just not I, my sort I of know it, it is known to be bad. That's what I know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah same. Yeah. <laughs> it's just unnecessary. It didn't Absolutely. And, you know, you, you do more damage than, than good with the legacy of it because the first two movies are cinematic perfection, especially the second one, because I also think that, Andy. 
Thank you. Um, but so how did I get along so well? And we have the same birthday. So <laughs> exactly, that, that exactly. <laughs> but um, it, it, yeah, it just doesn't. It didn't add anything, and that's the big problem with it. That's my yeah. big problem with it. I agree. I agree. So moving on to the very first movie rated NC-17, mm-hmm. Henry and June. Okay. I'm going to guess right. by everybody's no, silence no, that no, I'm the no, only one. Right ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it in the theater. I, I <laughs> legitimately Is there anything haven't... that you don't see in the cinema? Just out of interest, because it's like every single one you're like, I saw this. No, I he's seen it, it all. All right, and I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's too late. I've seen it all. Um. <laughs> I'll be 100% honest with you. This was I took a year off of college. So I did after I graduated from high school, I didn't go directly to college. I took a year off. So I had a lot of time and a lot of expendable cash. So I went to a lot of movies. And a lot of these I either saw by myself or saw with my friends when they were coming back home um like for weekends and stuff. So I did go to a lot of movies in the theater. I spent a lot of money on movies I have no memory of like Henry and June. So I, but, you know, if you need trivia, it was the very first theatrical released NC-17 film, which is meaningless to anybody outside of the U.S. who because their movies are rated differently. Yep. Yeah. So I uh, well, as far as I'm aware, an NC-17 is an 18 rating here. It actually was supposed to take the place of the X rating, X. but it was yeah. for more for like art house films and people weren't going to. They should have just been rated R because, like, if it's an art house film, teenagers aren't going to go try to see it. Um, and the problem was I went with this, like, kind of knowing it was going to be kind of an arty movie because at the time I loved arty movies. And a couple of my horn dog friends were just like, well, it's got to be NC-17. So that's full nudity, right? Like, I, 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 let's just go see it, see what happens. So... Yeah. All right. So Steve, Steve mentioned the movie that should be on the National uh, Registry, Troll 2. Um, I've never actually seen this, but I know of its legacy of being yeah, the worst I, movie ever made. I, I've, I've seen that clip, and that's about it. You know, the final shot. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I've seen that as well. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> all anyone's ever seen. I don't think yeah. the movie exists. That just that scene exists. Just that scene exists. <laughs> the rest of the movie is just all in our imagination. All right, that brings us to the rescuers down under, the forgotten member of the Disney re- uh, Renaissance. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 29th full-length animated motion picture. Australia, mysterious, untamed. And for a young boy named Cody and his magnificent golden eagle, it was a world of adventure and discovery. Liar! Until... They met the villain McLeach. That bird's gonna make me rich. An evil trapper who threatens to separate them forever. It's time you learned how to fish for crocs. But though hope is running out, a message is on the way. To the Rescue Aid Society. There has been a kidnapping in Australia. And two little heroes, Bernard and Bianca, are flying in. Oh, grossly underrated. My daughter watches. My daughter watched this movie. Like she just, I was asleep. She went downstairs. She turned on. She we wanted to watch something with her brother, and they turned on Rescuers Down Under. And I came down uh, close to the end of the movie. She's like, "Daddy, this movie's really stupid." So. 
I think you you had to be there, Mike. Is what I what I think my point is is that I saw this in the theater. Yes, Em, I saw this one in the theater too, and I, I genuinely <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it's a sweet little film. Um, it's not offensive. It's fun. Um, part of me thinks it kind of because it was sandwiched in between The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Maybe that kind of worked against it a little bit. Absolutely. Um, because when you have something like The Little Mermaid, which essentially started the Disney Renaissance, and it's so, well, it's not original, obviously, because it's based on Hans Christian Andersen, but, you know, there was nothing else really kind of like it at the time. It had these wonderful songs, it had these memorable characters. And then um, the year after, The Rescuers Down Under, which is obviously a sequel to probably not one of the most well-known uh disney movies the rescuers but again i think the rescuers is a fine movie i think it's sweet and i think it's good fun and i think it's uh you know it's got good morals uh behind it um and then obviously after this beauty and the beast um which was you know a phenomenon uh in 91 so yeah i i personally think if this had come out before the little mermaid um maybe it would have been a bit better well received um but then disney were kind of going through a bit of a funny period so it took the little mermaid for disney to become popular again really yep. so it's one of those that I, I think it's a bit out of its time really um mm. which is sad but i i still think it's a very sweet fun um you know i'd happily sit and watch the rescuers down under um, <laughs> yeah it, it, was, it, it was their first uh theatrically released uh sequel yes that's true it's very true and Catherine i believe Todd. Oh, sorry, i believe it's also the fully no. first fully digital film ever made i, I think they used uh, digital to cut to do all the uh coloring oh neat todd or Catherine, any thoughts on this one it's forgotten it? it's forgotten in my eyes as well okay again it's little mermaid beating the beast Yep. Those were those are yep. big for me. Not this one. Okay. Did anybody have any memories of Rocky Five? Yeah, it's uh, terrible. Okay, yep. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. It's it's a Rocky movie. It it yeah, no. Thank you. It's no. a Rocky movie that doesn't have everything that makes a Rocky movie so satisfying to watch, aka a boxing match. It does not have a boxing match. <laughs> I was just gonna say, a Rocky movie, surely it has boxing in it. <laughs> Clearly not. Not this one. Nope. No, not this one. Not this. It's oh, it's bad. It's it's like, and I know like the big swing to this movie was that they got the original director who won an Oscar for directing the original movie. They got him back, and it's like you brought him back for this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, this is this has Godfather Three, the same the same thing that that damages that film. They, this yep. adds nothing. You could have re- easily they redid it in two thousand six. Like they yeah. re. They redid this movie. They they then they did Creed, which is far better. So oh, the Creed movies are phenomenal. I don't I don't understand why they felt the need to do this. It adds nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. And Misery, which won an Oscar for Kathy Bates, Best Actress. Mm-hmm. This was kind of a miracle you finding me. In a way, I was following you. You were following me. Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the Misery novels. You must be a good man. You could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. You're very kind. 
The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is dead. You dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Misery spirit is still alive. I don't want her spirit! I want her! And you murdered her! You don't think he's dead, do you? And don't even think about anybody coming for you, because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here. Yep. Uh, she's phenomenal in this movie, but I haven't gone back to watch this one in forever. I don't know how well it's held up, but I remember she is scary as fuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, she, she does a great job. Yeah, she, she's, she's great. She plays that character perfectly. She's amazing. I remember well, that. Well-earned Oscar, definitely. Yeah. I remember watching this. I went to the theater to go see this, and the girl I, was, I, I, I took to go see this, we had, like, broken up the week before, but we were still going to remain friends. We went to go see it. And I think it was the first time watching a movie where she, they thought she was dead and she popped up. And, like, I think it's the only time anyone has jumped, like, kind of into my arms because they were so scared. I'm like, wow, okay. The power of movies. (laughs) I'm 18 (laughs) years old. Um, (laughs) So, anybody else on on Misery? Because I think this is kind of a forgotten Stephen King classic. Never seen it. Yeah, it's so scary. I've seen it. I I read the book, and then I saw it, and it's, it's great. Yeah, it's excellent. Edward did a great job of telling the story of the book. Okay. Yeah. Shutting up now, sir. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I apologize. I, I, no, I, that, was, that, was, that was pretty much all I had to say. I'm shutting up now because I haven't seen this movie. Oh, okay. Yes, yes your, your token goth has not seen Edward Scissorhands. Hands. I, I know. That's, that's crazy. I adore this movie. It's probably one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. It's an amazing Christmas movie. And the the soundtrack, the Danny Elfman score, makes me cry every goddamn time. Are you okay? Yes, are you okay? Where is everybody? Out looking for you. Edward Scissorhands is one of the best movies that Tim Burton's ever done, uh, which, to be fair, is not particularly difficult considering his more recent uh, uh, <laughs> attempt. But um, I love the kind of uh, dark, twisted fantasy of it. Um, I love the aesthetics of it. I love the use of colour in it. I think it's one of Johnny Depp's best roles that he's ever done. Um, I think he's just a wonderfully kind of pure, innocent soul. Um, and yeah, it's it's got a wonderful score. It makes me cry. I think Winona Ryder is great, but then Winona Ryder is pretty much always great anyway. Um, and I I think it's it comes across as like an incredibly personal movie for Tim Burton. Um, I mean, I don't know if it is. Um, I don't know if he said it's incredibly personal to him, but it feels it feels like he put a lot of love into Edward Scissorhands. 
Um, he obviously wanted to tell this kind of fantasy tale with a very kind of dark, gothic aesthetic that he's obviously very well known for um, sort of throughout his early career. Um, obviously, Beetlejuice um, as well, um, mm. kind of. It's But obviously Beetlejuice kind of doesn't really have the romance element to it, whereas this is this is kind of a well, it is a love story. Um, and it's it's just so beautiful and sweet and innocent. You know, it has this pure kind of innocence to it that I yeah, I I think it's absolutely lovely, really. Right. There's nothing else I can say about Edward Scissorhands. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Todd, have you seen this one? Yeah, Em, you summed it up. It's it's a wonderful, brilliant, beautiful movie. It's, it's what pr- I it's one of the ones that I think about when I think about Tim Burton. It's yeah. in the top yeah. three or four when I think of a Tim Burton movie. It's Pee Wee's Big Adventure, it's Beetlejuice, it's Batman, and it's this. Yeah, that's this, what this is just it's, it's so well done and it just it proved what a chameleon uh Johnny Depp was at the time. And it's I, it's it, it's it's one of these movies too. It's one of a kind. You can't you don't find other movies like this that aren't like I know it's supposed to be taken on the Frankenstein story, but it's like Frankenstein, but it's a Christmas Frankenstein. Oh, <laughs> so nice. Oh, this is such a good movie. All right, so looking down at the list here, we got a lot of stuff. There might be like one or two we can kind of park on, but everything else is kind of the end. The rest here, like look who's talking yeah. to. A movie where nuns, if you liked one talking baby, here's two of them. Here's Roseanne. <laughs> yeah, here's Roseanne. Ugh. Oh, my God. They were, she That that character was originally Joan Rivers. Yeah. In the movie before that. that this movie's insulting. Right. So written by uh, Amy Heckerling. Yeah, this was Amy Heckerling. You know, who would go on, obviously, to do Clueless. Another yeah. show that M has done. Um, <laughs> You're finding these great tie-ins. I love that I can I can I can I can work with you on this. Um, but this I again the movie money and this was I was so angry with this movie because it just it wasn't funny. It was just like this is the same premise only worse with less money. Even though I guarantee they put more money into this one. So oh, Mel Gibson as Hamlet. I think this was a wonderful movie. I know you a know, lot of people who agree with you. I have a lot of issues with Mel Gibson, but I think that this is a great Hamlet. Wait, wait, is this one directed by Kenneth Branagh? No, 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 wow. this is, no that's, that is, that is wretched. That is a wretched pile of garbage. That, the four that and a half Kenneth hour Branagh Hamlet? <laughs> Which is never intended, as far as I understand. The folio that that has like the four and a half hour uncut Hamlet was they took a couple different Hamlet scripts and mushed them together. It was <laughs> never intended to be four and a half hours. That is absolute bullshit. The the, the, the Kenneth Branagh version was an excuse for him to mack on Kate Winslet. <laughs> but, so now that I've established that, I think Helena Bonham Carter as uh, Ophelia is perfect. Isn't that her? Am I yes. getting confused again? No, it is. Uh, oh, good Lord. Now I'm going to have to look. I think it yeah, might I'm be. Yeah, it up. Uh, yeah, but I, this is the kind of movie I remember a lot of people were like, because I was hesitant because I don't think that Mel Gibson's a good actor at all. Um, mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, I was I was actually genuinely impressed with this one. Oh, Zeffirelli. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, Frank it's Zeffirelli. Zeffirelli. I got a very, very... The, it, is, it is. Romeo it is. It is not Helena Bonham Carter. I have yeah. a very, very strange relationship with Zeffirelli. The only thing I, other thing I've seen of his is Romeo and Juliet, which he also did very well. Which yeah. I really dislike. As a, as a, as a giant as a giant Shakespeare nerd, I I liked this version of Hamlet, and I liked his version. I, I liked the version of Romeo and Juliet. I, I hated his Romeo and Juliet. No. Did you like Romeo plus Juliet? No. Okay. <laughs> um, no, no, no. That's the one. I, that's the one I was thinking of. Oh, okay, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he didn't do Romeo plus Juliet. No, he did, he did, no, he did the uh, 70s classic version. He did not do, was that Boz oh, Lerman oh, that did that stinking yes, piece of garbage? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I he, love that movie. <laughs> I, oh, I love Romeo and Juliet for obvious reasons. But um, I just wanted to add that with Hamlet, there's also a nice little clueless link for Hamlet as well, because she references uh, the to thine own self be true line. Uh, yeah. while she's in the car with Josh and she mentions that it's not Hamlet who says that it's the Polonius guy because she references Mel Gibson um, and, that's, <laughs> and that is all I know about Hamlet. that is literally all I know is from a reference in Clueless so there you go okay <laughs> yeah I, I think I think I'd seen I'd seen the Hamlet and then I and, and I saw Clueless and I was like oh yeah it's totally true <laughs> it's hilarious but yeah um <sighs> I preferred the, the yeah, version no, of Hamlet that came out in four years. Oh, the stinky pile of Kenneth Branagh garbage? No, no, no. The, the Hamlet that came out four years after this one. The animated oh, one. Oh, the Lion Disney. King. Yeah. Oh, the Lion the King. Uh, oh, yes. So, all yeah. right. All right. So let's move on to one of the biggest bombs of the year, the Bonfire of the Vanities. Never seen it. Not seen it. It's bad and i read the book in preparation to watch this movie and fortunately i did miss this one in the theater which it, thank god but i watched it on video cassette i'm like this movie is horrible this does nothing the book isn't good either so um <laughs> got it. kiki's delivery service uh studio ghibli film yeah i know that um both m and mike have seen yes Walt Disney Home Entertainment proudly presents a Studio Ghibli film. Fly. The award-winning enchanting tale, Kiki's Delivery Service. My heart is ready to be. Hello! I can feel the wind underneath my feet. The story of a young girl. Kiki! In order to be a good witch, I have to train a year away from home. Finding her place in the world. Wow! This is just the kind of place I've always imagined. Bye! Making new friends. When you fly, you rely on what's inside of you, don't you? We fly with our spirit. And learning what it takes to be her own witch. Maybe I have to find my own inspiration. Uh, I think Kiki's Delivery Service is absolutely lovely. It's not my favorite of Miyazaki's no. movies, obviously. Um, it's I don't think it's the best studio ghibli movie um but i think it's very sweet i think it's very inoffensive um i think it's a really really good movie for young girls specifically um and um yeah i don't i certainly don't think it's it's one of his deeper 
um, movies. He likes to obviously put a lot of themes. It's obviously themes of flight uh, are prevalent in Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, I certainly think there are better Miyazaki movies, but for a movie for a younger audience that are maybe too old for to appreciate Totoro, um, but too young for something like Princess Mononoke, I think Kiki's Delivery Service just kind of fits very, very perfectly into that age bracket. Yeah, nice. I, I think I also think uh, like something like Spirited Away might be a little bit more advanced. So it's, it's kind of like younger to older. It goes uh, My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke type things. Yeah. All right. Yeah. In that order. Yeah. With Hal's uh, Moving Castle in there somewhere as well. <laughs> is uh, wonderful. I I love Hal's Moving Castle. Yes, I do as well. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. Okay. And the last movie that I think would garner much conversation is Joe versus the Volcano, otherwise known as the uh, movie on I... the island Tom Hanks did before Castaway. Once upon a time, in the middle of a deep, dark factory, an average Joe, Joe Banks, lived a very boring life. Good morning, Diddy. Hi, Joe. What's with the shoe? Losing my soul. Yeah. Until one day, he found out his life was over. I'm not sick except for this terminal disease. That's right. You have some time left, Mr. Banks. Live it well. And that's... Joe Banks? When his adventure began. You and I might be able to help each other. I want to hire you to jump into a volcano. Yeah, I just watched this again last night on YouTube. The only time I'd seen it before was in theaters. It it was really funny. I understood it a lot more than I did when I was, what, 16? And uh, <laughs> Was this his first like, with Meg Ryan? Yes. Okay. Yeah. First and of it three. Was first of three. And it, it, was, it was really funny. I thought it held up pretty well, you know, as far as, like, a story goes. I kind of thought of it as, like, Brazil light. <laughs> Because it's that level of weird, but not really? as intensely weird. I've never laid eyes on this movie, Catherine. I think you just gave me the reason to watch it. It it was yeah, like it's it's a, a PG kind of version. It's not it's not as as whacked out and freaky as Brazil. Yeah, but, but it's but as a a sense of the bizarre and the twist on living in the world, it's huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's. It's definitely worth worth watching. Nice. It was, nice. It was three dollars. It was three dollars on YouTube. So what the hell? Ooh, even better. <laughs> I, 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 I was shocked by this because uh, before the world got shut down, I was ready to uh, open a show um, at a local theater of Doubt, a parable written by John Patrick Shanley, who also wrote and directed Joe versus the Volcano, which I had not <laughs> made the connection before before I started this show and. Just going through doubt and the character that I'm playing and watching the movie and, and all that, like that super, super heavy material. And then going back and be like, this is the same guy that wrote Joe versus the Volcano. That's insane to me. But this yeah. this movie holds up far better than I remember. For sure. Nice. I haven't nice. seen this one in ages, um, but I do remember when I did watch it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I should probably give this one a rewatch. Yeah. And just so everybody knows, I'm going to reference doubt until I actually get to perform it. Okay. So everybody knows. Once well, you I put get all that work in, done, and I, I can't say exactly, I blame you. Exactly. Postponed opening night. So. Okay. 
Em, any thoughts on Joe versus the volcano? Uh, I've actually never seen it. <laughs> okay, so you and I, you and I, we all both need to watch this and compare notes then. Yeah. All right. So lightning round, so we can end at a reasonable time for everybody here. Arachnophobia. The Jennings family has just moved to the small town of Kanaima. Oh, Ross, smell that air. Oh, God. In search of a simpler life. Want to blow up a bullfrog? Okay. It's the perfect place. Goodbye crime, goodbye grime. Except for one pesty little problem. Come with me and look at the web. The web? I have a terrible fear of spiders. Come on, we live in the country now. It's time to work through this irrational, paralyzing terror. It's not irrational. <laughs> Hollywood Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present Jeff Daniels. Honey, we're in the living room. We need you to kill a spider. And John Goodman. Go for Clintock, infestation management. Ooh, that guy's just a spider. Would anybody object if I tore this floor out? I would. False alarm, then lead on. Never Scary. seen it. Scared me once. shitless as a child. <laughs> it's on par. That's, it that's is on such brand. A, it's such a weird combination of horror and comedy. Yeah, it's... It, it's horror, like, for the most part, but as soon as John Goodman comes there and in there, he just throws this weird mix of comedy into the mix. It's, it's weird, but it, it kind of works. Okay. They they tried to emulate it. Do you remember the film Eight Legged Freaks? Yes. Yes. Uh, which which kind of relied more on the comedy and less on the horror. Um, but again, I really didn't think that that film worked very well. But Arachnophobia was a genuine. That was one of the ones that I used to watch at sleepovers with with friends, oh, just man. as like a scary movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was it was scary. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely scary. Okay. Then uh, Atame also tied me up, tied me down, which is the first time I ever saw Antonio Banderas in a movie. This I've movie came out of thing. Spain. I don't think anyone else has heard that no, one. But, <clears throat> but Em, you'll be proud to know I paid movie money for it. Well, um, <laughs> what have you not paid movie money for, I think, is, uh, is, is uh, the more important question. Because uh, I'll honestly be able to answer the question faster. Uh, Shakma, Demon Wind. I, I think <laughs> yes. is this cat... Is that you? No, this is, is that me. You, okay. Yeah, this is this is me. So uh, I do a Discord watch. I've been doing a Discord watch uh, with another podcast uh, during lockdown, and uh, we watch really terrible movies that are available on Amazon Prime. Um, mm-hmm. And I noticed that two of the movies that we've watched recently uh, were from 1990. So I thought I'd give them a bit of a shout out. So Shakma, I don't know if anyone's seen that. It's nope. about a rabid baboon who escapes in like a tower block um he (laughs) so this baboon it's a real baboon um it's quite a feat actually how they got this real baboon to act it's a good actor good baboon actor um but it is a terrible terrible film and um the most thing you'll notice the most about shakma is the baboon's penis um Yay! It's, uh, it's, it's prominent. Um, oh. That's what I said for Shakma. Um, and the other thing that. I was just uh, trying to take a drink. Oh my God. <laughs> That'll teach you to stay hydrated. Come on. <laughs> yeah, sorry uh, about that. Um, well, I'm I expected to be talking about in this episode. Baboon penis is not on there. Wasn't on my bingo card. No, well, I didn't think it would be on anyone's bingo card. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's it's a bit shit. 
uh, but good shit. Uh, right. And then Demon Wind uh, was basically about some wind that's demonic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's basically like a mist that um, brings like zombies and stuff. Um, it's really, 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 really shit. Um, oh. <laughs> but I just wanted to shout them both out because um, yeah, I do this rewatch um, this rewatch thing with Rewind Movie Podcast. They're a really good bunch of guys. And we have such a laugh watching these terrible movies. Um, oh, so yeah, Shaka and Demon Wind, both 1990, both a bit shit. Okay. So Fair I enough. think that there's a few movies on here, which I think we're just going to kind of leave to the, I don't want to be accused that we didn't actually mention that they came out in 1990. Uh, movies like Truly Madly Deeply, which I know Em put on there because of her love of Alan Rickman. Mind, of course. Yeah. Jacob's Ladder, which is fucked up. Weird. With uh, Tim Robbins, Green Card. Oh, boy, Green Card. Um, Green Card, by the way, interesting trivia note, won the Golden Globe for Best Comedy that year. Yes, Andy, Andy McDowell and Gerard Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu, who, yeah. you know, I don't know. No one can explain to me why that dude is still a sex symbol in France. But um, <laughs> Problem Child, which is Problem Child. Mm-hmm. Uh, With the most punchable punchable face in the history of cinema. Oh, yes. That, that kid. They, that they perfectly cast for that movie has the most punchable face I've ever seen. They did uh, perfectly cast that child. I've seen Problem Child probably far too many times, actually. Yeah. To, same, uh, same. To, uh, <laughs> to be considered a reasonable, sane adult. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, that's it was John Ritter as well, wasn't it? John yes, Ritter, yep. was, and, he, yeah. and he's actually watchable in that. Yeah, yeah he's, he's fine. He's really good. He's watchable actually. in most things. So. And his future yeah. wife, Amy Yazbek, is also in it. Yes, yeah. yeah his oh. widow is was in this movie as well. I think that's where they met. Seriously, that kid should have been shot. Well, they did make a sequel after all. I know. It was Which even I've worse. I've seen far too much too. Yeah. I've seen that. I've yes. seen them both, and they're both <laughs> awful movies. Oh my god! Uh, I feel like we should we we need to start a self help group for people for who problem child people. Child yeah. Child yeah. too much. All right. <laughs> Ducktales. Woo. Tre- uh, Treasure of the Lost Lamp. Yeah. I'll I'll be honest. Never saw this one. It's a it's a second tier Disney tune. You know. Uh, yeah. Outsourced animation. But... TV animation on a movie budget. Exactly. Or, okay. I'm a massive DuckTales fan, but I've actually still never seen this movie. Oh, no, I'm sure on, it's on man. Disney Plus. I'm it sure it's on Disney Plus. It's it's a decent story. It's uh it's you know Kali Baba and the Lost Lamp and you know Christopher Lloyd's the villain. It's mm-hmm. it's a nice uh, 70 minute uh, adventure. I just know that the uh, the the lamp shows up again in the uh, premiere sure of the does. reboot. The DuckTales. Nice. It sure does. So it's a good way of getting, the, you know, putting something for the, for the kids to watch while you're trying to actually get stuff done around the house. Yeah. All right. Space Invaders. For years, scientists have speculated that there was intelligent life in outer space. Now comes definitive proof that there is no such thing. Come on, open this baby up. Let's see what she'll do. Hit it, Blasney. <laughs> now five misguided Martians have landed in Big Bean, Illinois. Come on. Some earthling butt. Looks like you hit something. On Halloween night. Prepare to die, Earth scum! <laughs> Maybe later. Have fun, boys. They think they're wearing Halloween costumes. What a bunch of morons! Perhaps a taste of this death ray. Perhaps I'll just have to remove those little heads of yours. 
And now they're up to their antennas in. What did I step in? You know how bad that's gonna smell? In trouble. There are five of us and four billion of them. I I watched this one way too much when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, it's not not great movie, but the aliens are fun. They're watching. They're goofy. The the Enforcer drone is legitimately pretty creepy until they kind of they just kill him in the most goofy way possible. But you know, it, it, it's 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 a you know a fine movie for kids for, for for the whole family. Okay, I'm assuming you're the only one who said it because no one else wanted to speak up about it. Bird on a Wire with Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn. I I, I just remember seeing this. Um, on VHS when I went in, went over to visit a bunch of friends from high school and the only thing I remember is at the end it takes place in like this closed zoo and one of the villains gets killed by drop falling in a, a piranha pool. <sighs> and that leads us with possibly one of the worst sequels ever made, Predator 2. Disagree! Los Angeles, 1997. It's the hottest summer on record. Pollution is choking the city. The gangs control the streets. It has not been a nice day! As bad as things are, they're about to get worse. Much worse. Whoever killed him is going to pay. I'm going to finish it. It has almost no weight. But it cuts like steel. Incredible. Whoever did this took out four men armed with machine guns by hand. You don't know what you're dealing with. <laughs> I don't know. You, you, you replace Arnold Schwarzenegger with Danny Glover. And I, no, I mean, no respect to disrespect to Danny Glover. Oh what? no no! Danny Glover is not the part is not the reason I like this movie so much. I like this movie because of the Predator, because they gave the Predator a lot more characterization. They actually explain the culture. They explain like more about what this thing is. It it's makes it actually makes the villain from the first movie into a believable character. And that's why I like this one more. Okay. Has anybody else watched Predator Two besides me and Mike? I have seen Predator Two. Yes. Yeah. I saw this before happened? I saw Predator. Oh, wow. I saw this before I saw Predator. Oh, wow. Because I was, you know, we, we didn't watch those kinds, you know, we didn't have a, a, a anybody that was really interested in Arnold Schwarzenegger in my home. So we didn't have, we didn't see all those movies. Uh, and yeah, I saw this with some, some friends on VHS and what I remember most is I think people pointing in the background and going, see, there's an alien skull on the spaceship. <laughs> it, well, when was. are they going to, when yeah. are they going to make alien versus predator? And then we did. And those movies were fucking awful. I did yeah. actually I disagree about Predator 2. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I'll tell you what it is. I've always, I've never understood in Predator 2 why. So you've got this, alien it's called a predator right essentially so it's killing yeah. it's basically going through the group and killing everyone yeah. i never understood why it never kills the pregnant woman because you because know it's, it's, not, it's not an honorable kill right really is that yeah. is that a genuine yeah. reason it, 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 it yeah. won't it won't kill defense like that's why like um when when you've got a whole bunch of people and then they find like the one person that's not armed they they are not killed because they're not a threat they're not a challenge 
Yeah, right. if you've seen the, the Predators movie where it's set on, like, a, not the Predator homeworld, but, like, a moon where they do training of the younger pe- younger Predators, like, all the humans that they collect are all murderers in one way or another. Hmm. But the only reason, okay, but she, she was one of the team, so she was a threat. Right, but the baby was an innocent life, and they can't, and they don't take innocent lives. Right, right. right. Thank, okay. God plot, thank God plot convenience knocked her up. So <laughs> the same reason they don't they don't they didn't hang uh, female pirates because they'd be like, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, we can't hang her. Yeah. yeah. But oh, you idiots in your no science. This movie also had Gary Boosie in it. Uh, uh, and you want me to watch this one again, Mike? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Boosie is always just so bonkers, batshit crazy. It's, you, you just got to watch him just to see what the hell is he going to do this time. And that is the perfect coda to end this show, isn't it? <laughs> so bad shit crazy, you got to tune in to see what he's going to do next. Yeah, it's like, our, like all of our episodes. Yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> wow, we got through the whole year, didn't we? That's awesome. Great. Yay. It went, uh, it went need, so I, much I faster wa- than 2020. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, I know. I need more water, but I'm afraid that Em's going to bring up baboon penis again, and I just can't drink any right now. <laughs> oh, shit. I just, I just noticed one last audible I want to throw on here. Hurry up. <laughs> Rosencrantz and Gildersturm are dead. Great movie. I really enjoyed that movie. That's all I'll say. Great movie. Todd, I'm assuming you've seen this one. I have not. I've read You play, disappoint obviously. the shit out of me. Well, hey. uh, <laughs> written and directed by Tom Stoppard and starring Gary Oldman and Tim Roth and Richard right. Dreyfuss. I have not seen the movie, but I did see some friends. Uh, I did see a live production, stage production of it. It's fantastic. Yes, yes, it is. So, all right. Well, M, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad that you you got like you got like a mammoth episode to join us on. I'm so happy you could do that. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been a it's been a genuine joy to talk to you all um, about well, just to talk to you all in general, but yeah. uh, but especially about the movies of 1990 because I think we we have found some genuine brilliance. Um, some uh, some diamonds in the rough. I know I know Aladdin's not a 1990 movie, but <laughs> there are there are some diamonds in the rough uh, in in 1990. Uh, but there's a lot of rough. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of rough in here. There's a lot of rough in here. Um, but yeah, no, phenomenal. Thank you so much. So, Em, where can our listeners find you? Well, if they want to listen to med- the episodes that I've uh, referenced quite a few of, uh, or, or any episode, actually, um, that I've done, um, they can find my podcast, Verbal Diorama, on uh well, any podcast app of choice, so Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, basically whatever, whatever you're using, um, just type Verbal Diorama and you'll find me. And if you can subscribe to me, that would be awesome. Um, and yeah, if you want to talk to me on social media, it's just at Verbal Diorama on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd. And yeah, feel free to talk to me about Shakma, <laughs> Baboon <laughs> Penis, uh, <laughs> or anything that we've talked about uh more than happy to chat about uh about, about anything but it's it's been a genuine joy to to be on geek salad finally because yeah. i've been asking to come on for such a long time and i genuinely felt like andy was saying yes he was like yeah 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 
yeah yeah we'll definitely get you on we'll definitely get you on and then in the background going to rescue you yeah we're not going to get her on here no 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 we're not in, no. in, in, in genuine <laughs> honesty that's what he was saying at all yeah no and i was telling them i wanted you on the show forever it just is all honesty it's a logistical issue that i think we finally figured out so obviously um, yeah it, right was, now. it was the, it was the technology it was only the yeah. technology so yeah. Emma, you want to you want to go down the list of all the movies you've covered quiet you <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's um, it's it's been a genuine joy to be here. Um, and it, we, hopefully, hopefully you'll invite me back. Uh, maybe in a couple, three years, you know. Uh, just <laughs> let me know. I'm always available. It's only been a year and a half since I've been making you these promises. I just kept now. So anyway, <laughs> you just like M, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. So iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google Music, iHeartRadio. Uh, you can also please follow Mr. Todd Vickstrom on Instagram Ooh, and like baby. his record collection. Yeah. Um, you can follow the Toddcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Geek Salad Radio. And usually I'm in a conversation with M, so you can just reply to that and then go subscribe to her that way. You can also follow <laughs> us on Facebook at Geek Salad Podcast. And as I kind of alluded to earlier, we also, Mike and I also host. A retro movie review show on our YouTube channel, which is just Geek Salad Podcast right at YouTube. So we have weekly movie reviews, and if we skip a week, we try to make it up at two the following week, kind of like I'm doing right now, which will be moot once we release these episodes. Uh, <laughs> so next, epi- next episode, we are going to be discussing our favorite uh, humor and novelty song artists. So it's not awesome. just Weird Al, but uh, I call it like, Al. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just Weird Al, but it's stuff like Jonathan Colton, uh, the Guild, groups like that. So I, I really am hoping to get some really interesting stuff here. Um, oh, are you going to do the Lonely Island? Because I love the Lonely Island. Uh, of course, we're going to do the Lonely Island. Oh, Island. I love it. Oh, we're all doing that I've one. Been prepared, I've been prepared for this episode for about six months. I'm ready. You've been prepared for this episode since high school, Catherine. Don't lie. (laughs) Junior high. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what we got. So let us know when we put out our calls on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know what some of your favorite artists are in that. Em, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I've had such a brilliant time. It's quite late here now, but I don't care uh, because I've had the best time. Well, at least the ice cream oh, vans stop passing by. That's good. I, so, I hope there's not ice cream vans at 10 o'clock. Yeah, no, there, there is not. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Catherine. I'm Todd. Go forth and be nerdful. We'll talk to you later. Recap right now is Brainy Gremlin, Spider Gremlin, Bat Gremlin, Lady Gremlin, Googly Eye Gremlin, Electricity Gremlin, Hulk Hogan's gonna be in the picture. I'm gonna throw in a Gremlin myself. 
vegetable gremlin. Just write it up. I'm having so Why much not? fun. Thank you. It's all going to be in the actual film. Now, I got to go put some cowboys in Back to the Future 3. Sayonara, y'all. Oops. Now, okay, you guys know that none of that is going to be in the actual movie.